Hi, it's Rob West. And before we get to the podcast, I wanted to tell you about a special group of people. MoneyWise patrons are supporters for this nonprofit ministry that choose to send monthly gifts to support two critical areas. First, helping to extend the reach of our national radio programs, money management app, website, and other resources. And second, providing free MoneyWise app pro scholarships for students or people in financial hardship. Would you consider becoming a MoneyWise patron by making a monthly financial gift to MoneyWise? Just visit MoneyWise.org and click Donate. And thanks in advance for your generous partnership. You've heard the saying, you have to spend money to make money. But do you really know how much you're spending? Hi, I'm Rob West. We usually think that spending money to make it involves a business, but it applies to folks working for a paycheck, too. Today, I'll talk about what it really costs to earn that paycheck. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, so people go to work for many reasons, but when asked, most would say for the paycheck, of course. Uh, What we often forget is that work also costs us money. Working, especially working outside the home, has hidden costs, and some not so hidden. It's the rare person who doesn't have to work. Almost all of us do, so what's the point of knowing how much it costs us? Well, the point is, deciding whether to work is largely a financial decision, just like any other. Knowing the true cost of work, how much you're spending to bring home that paycheck, is information you need to make that decision wisely. By subtracting those costs from your paycheck, you discover your actual take-home pay. Depending on your situation, it could make all the difference. For example, if you're a parent deciding whether to enter into the workforce or stay at home with your child. Let's start with some of the obvious costs of venturing out into the working world. The first thing you'll have to decide is, how will you get there? In most cases, that will be with a car. So you have to consider the cost of buying and maintaining a vehicle and putting gas in it. A very expensive proposition these days with sky-high prices for new and used cars. Don't forget about the cost of registering the vehicle and insurance. Now, in many cases, you'll still need a second car if you're a stay-at-home parent. But in that case, many of your vehicle-related costs will be lower. For example, you won't spend as much on fuel and insurance if you're not commuting. In most cases, you'll need to buy clothing that's appropriate for your job. And very often, the higher the paycheck, the more expensive those clothes will be. It costs money to look professional. A paralegal working in a law office may spend more on clothes than someone working in retail, for example. But the biggest obvious expense with working outside the home is child care. According to the career site Zipia, the average cost of daycare in the U.S. is $340 per child per week or $17,680 a year. That will take a huge bite out of your paycheck. And there are many other smaller costs of working. Unless you're very disciplined, you may spend money on coffee and lunches more than you would at home. You may also have dry cleaning costs for that professional wardrobe, or maybe you need a very nice-looking late-model vehicle if you're meeting with clients, that sort of thing. So it all adds up. 
All right, let's look at some of the less obvious costs to working outside the home. It'll make you a much busier person. You might get takeout meals more often or buy more expensive prepackaged foods. You also won't have time to shop for deals or clip coupons, and you may end up going to stores that are more convenient but more expensive as well. Some of these costs might seem trivial, but small things add up. If you treat yourself to a $9 lunch once a week, that's about $400. $170 a year. And that's just a small expense compared to almost 18000 a year for child care. When you total up all of these expenses, you get a much clearer picture of how much you're actually making. If you take home $35,000 a year after taxes, but your costs are $20,000, you're actually bringing home $15,000. Well, that comes to a little more than $7 an hour. And then you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? Now, I'm certainly not trying to convince you not to work, but it's important to think about the true cost of working so that you can make an informed decision. In some cases, those who can live without that second paycheck may decide it's not worth it, especially if doing without means you can stay home with your children. Not surprisingly, there's been a 13% decline in the number of working mothers over the past two decades due to the high cost of childcare and other factors. On the other hand, if you really need to work, knowing how much it's costing you could motivate you to look for a better paying job or to finally ask for that raise you deserve. In 1 Timothy 5.18, Paul says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Remember, God created us to be workers, but you should also count the cost. All right, your calls are next at 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and you're listening to Money Wise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Much more to come just around the corner. Stay with us. At MoneyWise, we are on a mission to educate, equip, and connect you and many others with the powerful financial answers found in God's Word through national radio programs, our app, website, and other resources. If you've benefited from MoneyWise and believe in this mission, would you consider becoming a monthly MoneyWise patron? Check out all the benefits of a MoneyWise patron's membership at MoneyWise.org and click Give on the homepage. Christian Healthcare Ministries enables believers to meet their health care costs affordably, biblically, and compassionately. It's not insurance, but a voluntary cost-sharing ministry based on the biblical example of Christians sharing each other's needs. And members aren't fined under the law for not having health insurance. Christian Healthcare Ministries might be your health cost solution. Call 800-791-6225 or visit chministries.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West, your host for taking your calls and questions. We have a few lines open at 800-525-7000. Let's head back to the phones. Akron, Ohio, WCRF. Barbara, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Thank you. Um, I'm calling because after my tithe that I make to my church every month, I listen to like Michael Roy Dunnick, David Jeremiah, Erwin Lutzer, Chris Brooks, Money Wise, 
<laughs> and all of the programs ask you to support them yeah. so that they could stay on the air. I would like to do that wisely or use my money wisely, but I can't donate to everybody. Yeah. And I'm having trouble with this. <laughs> <laughs> There's just too many good programs, Barbara. That's the problem. Uh, listen, first of all, I love your generous heart, and I love that you want to be uh, a giver, and you want to be supporting where God is at work, and you're obviously being blessed by these programs, and uh, you can't do it all. You know, you can only give so much after meeting your monthly bills and obligations. Uh, so here's what I would do. I mean, you could take one of two approaches. One one would be to say, uh, you know, I'm going to establish a giving portion of my budget, and I know how much I can afford to do that on a monthly basis, and then I'm going to ask the Lord to give you some, me some wisdom, and I'm going to divide that portion that I have available, and you could maybe take this on an annual basis, I'm going to divide it among the shows. Uh, that uh, are blessing me, uh, in this case, the financial and, um, well, and, and biblical teaching programs. Uh, the other approach is just to say, listen, I can't do everything, and so I'm, you know, going to take one program a year or something like that and, and ask the Lord to give me some wisdom and support that program. And I think, you know, there's a principle here that you do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, right? Because as the body of Christ, we come together and we all do our part and we all have different passions and we see God at work in different places. And as long as it's aligned with his purposes, then, you know, if I'm giving to one thing and you're given to something else, then hopefully together we're supporting all of these great causes that are edifying and growing the body and proclaiming uh, the gospel to the ends of the earth. And there's never going to be a shortage of great things to be involved in, but you can only do so much. And so I think the key for you is really to land on that annual amount that you want to give and then either just divide it up or pick one or two, uh, you know, ministries a year and then, you know, make your support there. I don't think you can go wrong with either of these approaches, Barbara, and you certainly don't need to feel guilty uh, that, you know, you can't do more to everyone because you have limited resources. So you're just trying to be found faithful with what God has entrusted to you. Does that make sense? Yes, that's exactly it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, when I do donate, I don't do the monthly one yeah. because I wait and until I find out that one of them is having like a matching program. Sure. Where if you give a certain amount or whatever you give, it will be matched and that way it'll be doubled. Yes. Yes, very good. Regardless of what you decide, Barbara, I know the Lord is pleased with your heart uh, to be generous. You can't do everything, but you're doing your part, and uh, together with God's people, we'll make sure that God's ministries are funded, okay? Well, thank you. That that helps a lot. <laughs> okay, good. God bless you, and thanks for calling today. Uh, let's head to Birmingham. Mike, you're next on the program. Go ahead, sir. Oh, thank you, Rob. Uh, so, Rob, I, lo I lost my wife almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, so prior to that, um, we had two insurance policies, two term policies, a, 
won 500,000 on me and 400 on my wife. And, uh, so when she passed away, you know, of course her life insurance, we cashed in and I, I just immediately got with a financial advisor and we set it up to where I opened up, um, a $500,000 life insurance policy to basically start moving money into that account annually, kind of as a tax shelter. And um, I'm 58, and I don't plan on retiring until at least 65, maybe 70. But I've got it kind of in a very um, safe investment strategy. Yeah. But my question is this, um, I've got an equity line of $240,000 that is against my, uh, that investment, um, that I can use. I haven't drawn on it. And, uh, but I was wondering if, uh, if it would be wise to leverage that to maybe buy an investment property or something like that to kind of generate some more income uh, because really there's been no money being made in the market right now with my invest with what I have now it's been kind of stagnant. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on that? And I don't know if that, that makes sense. So. Yeah, it does. So uh, you took the 400,000 and that's essentially what you're using uh, the life insurance policy to grow in a tax deferred environment. Is that right? Yeah. So it's invested uh, in like a, basically like a 50, 50, you know, risk based, um, because of my age. And so, you know, it's been, it's been managing well, considering the way the markets have been going, but I thought I've got, my last son is in college. I've got two that are out and I thought, well, what if I bought, you know, an investment home where he's going to school and just have him and his friends that he, you know, he plays football move in and just keep an investment property over there where he can stay and then draw money, you know, draw income off of that rental income and just pay cash for it by pulling $150,000 off that equity line to do that. Is that something that... Yeah. I mean, you certainly could. Tell me about that equity line. What is it collateralized by? It's collateralized by the investment that I have. So they, they base it on kind of what, you know, where, where your, where your money is at the time, yeah. basically in the market. So, yeah. So it's this essentially so, a margin of sorts. What, what is the interest rate associated with that? The interest rate is like four and a half on okay. it. Okay. And it's variable. Yeah. 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 It's a HELOC. So yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, getting, uh, you know, just getting a straight mortgage, uh, to buy that rental property with, as opposed to using the, the investment collateral? Well, I thought about that and, you know, I I didn't know if that would be a wise decision to just, just do a mortgage and pay. Well, I'd have the, I'd have the closing costs and all that to pay. You would. Probably the interest rate on that interest rate would be, on an investment might be a lot more than 
Hollywood. Yeah, but at least it would be fixed. Um, Let's do this. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll finish on the other side. If you can hang on, I'll give you my thoughts and see if we can decide how to go from here. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal. But you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find powerful scripture and practical exercises for spiritual and financial growth. You can request your copy with a gift of any amount. Would you consider a monthly or one-time gift by December 31st? Just visit moneywise.org give. Investing is more than just returns. It's an expression of who you are and what you value. Does the way you invest your money reflect your identity as a Christian? At Eventide, we design investments for performance and a better world, so you can invest with a confidence to reach your financial goals while remaining true to your Christian values and commitments. We call this investing that makes the world rejoice. More is available at investeventide.com. That's investeventide.com. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. Back to the phones. Mike in Birmingham, we were talking to just before the break. Uh, he uh, is looking to buy a rental property uh, while his son is in college and perhaps uh, he could take advantage of it for his son, but also earn some income and build equity over time. Looking for the best way to finance that. He actually uh, has what is often referred to as a portfolio line of credit, which is basically a collateralized loan or line of credit against an investment portfolio. Uh, that allows you to take money out using the investments as collateral. And the benefit is, you know, there's typically uh, a lot of flexibility in repayment. Um, You know, there's lower taxes for accessing the investments and there's typically a lower interest rate. Uh, The downside, Mike, though, is just the potential for market loss. So if you have the market value of the portfolio loss because the market takes a downward trends, a trend, your, your assets go with it, the lender could absolutely ask for you to put up more collateral. Um, and if it drops far enough, there's the possibility of owing, owing far more than you uh, borrowed. I'd rather tie the collateral to the asset itself, which in this case would be that house. The question is, what's the rate that you can get on that you know, fixed mortgage specifically on that property? And, you know, do you have enough money, both in the form of a down payment, which for a rental property, I'd love for us to go in with 50%. I mean, I realize that's, you know, in many cases, that might be out of the question just because that's a lot of money. But regardless of what you put down, do you have enough to put a substantial down payment? And then what's the debt service? And do you have the cash flow to cover that without putting your finances in jeopardy? But if you did, you know, I mean, I think I love real estate as a way to have a, you know, you know, a way to uh, introduce another asset class into your asset mix uh, away from stocks and bonds. 
and especially given the benefits of your son being in college and being able to use the property, plus you having this asset, you know, appreciating for the future, uh, you know, all of that makes sense as long as the debt service on it doesn't put you in a tough spot financially, which could, you know, cause some problems down the road. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Well, let me ask you this. So if, if my, my income off of the house was obviously significantly higher than what my minimum payment would be, would that, I mean, what's the word sanctified doing it that way, I guess, <laughs> or, uh, or because yeah. I mean, if we're push the shove, we can always, you know, I can always refinance it to a fixed, right? And if it got to that point and just go ahead and take a mortgage out on it, um, you could. Yes. No, that's true. I think you just have to realize that, you know, the uh, what the collateral that's backing it obviously has the ability to lose value. And you just have to understand what those triggering events are that could cause you to have to, uh, you know, go ahead and in this case, get a mortgage on the property to put that additional collateral up that your, uh, uh, you know, custodian may require at that point. But sure, uh, I think the key is knowing the risk going into it, making sure you have good cash flow, that you're not presuming upon the future with regard to, you know, being realistic about the rental income that it can generate. You know, it might be more difficult for you to find a renter. What happens if you went for a period of time without any income or, you know, rental prices, which are sky high right now, begin to trend down. Just making sure you've really kind of thought through that and that you have the financial wherewithal to support it. Gotcha. No, that yeah. makes sense. I have one other question, Rob, if it's yeah. okay. Sure. Real quick. So I, I, I kept my term policy for yeah. 500,000 when I took out my, um, life insurance policy. Um, two things, two things. One, should I keep that? I've got about a million now in life insurance and in, in life insurance coverage with the term. The term is like 80 bucks a month for me right now. And it's good. It will stay 80 through the age of 75. Um, should I keep that and, and just keep that coverage uh, along with my my one that I, my life insurance policy I just opened up? Are the kids the beneficiaries? They are. They yeah. are. And uh, are they? I mean, the question is, do they really need the money? Um, you know. So if something were to happen to you, are you? You know, are they still dependents? And if so, let's try to really quantify what that death benefit is that's needed and how it would be distributed so that they, you know, have what they need until they're kind of out on their own as functioning adults and, you know, with their own incomes and so forth. And then for what period of time that's necessary, because I don't think it makes sense to be overinsured. Um, so I think it really is a matter of, of defining what the goal is in terms of what's going to be available and then how that's going to be paid out? Does it just automatically get paid out, you know, at your death or does it go into a trust and then it gets distributed based on certain conditions being met, met, them reaching certain ages or, you know, specifically for their care until they're adults, those kinds of things. But I wouldn't keep that extra half a million just because it's cheap uh, unless you really need it in the sense that, yeah, it's going to take a million dollars of death benefit, you know, for a period of time to, you know, meet all of the needs that you know, our kids have that are depending upon my income that would obviously go away. Yeah. There's only one. I've got two that are out of the house. They're off my payroll. I say, and I've got okay, one yeah. that 
still still in college, and I just okay. want to get him through. So he that's right now. And the la- and lastly, is it wise that the way that I have it set up with my life insurance um, being used to funnel? I think we can funnel up to thirty thousand a year right now into that account. Uh, is that a wise strategy? Is that am I being advised correctly on yeah. that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the real I'm not a big fan of whole life insurance, but where it can be effective is if you've either you've maxed out your uh, you know retirement plan contributions that allows you to do salary deferral into your retirement plan, or you're sitting on a lump sum that you want to invest and do it in a tax efficient manner. I think that can make a lot of sense because you're getting it into that tax invert deferred environment. The key is what is the growth once it gets in there. So I think that's where not all policies are created equal. You just need to make sure you have a good policy that's performing, but the, the tax benefits are undeniable, especially given that you're sitting on a large sum of money and trying to get that in a tax deferred environment. That's where, uh, whole life insurance can be very effective, even though it wouldn't be my first choice for somebody who's just looking for the death benefit and can save outside of it. Hope all that's helpful to you, Mike. We appreciate you listening to the program and calling today. God bless you, my friend. Well, we're out of time once again, but we'll come back and do it all again next time. I appreciate your carving some time out of your busy day to join us here on the program. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program or perhaps missed a past program or want to hear it again, you can do that and check out our program notes at moneywise.org or on the free MoneyWise app in your app store. And if you enjoyed the program, I hope you'll tell a friend about it and then plan on joining us again next time right here on MoneyWise. MoneyWise is provided by MoneyWise Media and listeners like you.